I'm Jessica Clemens. This is Splash Page on the Ringerverse. We're breaking down Loki season two, episode three, giving you Easter eggs, theories, and more on our favorite god of mischief. Let's go. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. You are now watching Splash Page. If you're listening to this, you can also watch it on TheRinger.com, YouTube.com slash TheRinger, on Spotify at Ringerverse. This is your warning that we will be spoiling Loki Season 2, Episode 3. We'll be spoiling the first three episodes of Season 2 of Loki, the first season of Loki, and basically any of Loki's appearances across the MCU. You've been warned. Go watch the third episode. Come back. Watch my breakdown. We open the Marvel intro this time with some jaunty vaudevillian tunes, and it's very classy. We're in Chicago, like back, back, back in the day. This is the sacred timeline, and we see an orange time door, and Renslayer steps out. She's wearing the same clothes we last saw in Loki Season 1, Episode 6, so she went from one timeline to another. She's greeted by Miss Minutes, and it's revealed that He Who Remains ordered someone to drop off the TVA handbook to young him on the sacred timeline and become He Who Remains. Now, please, let me cook. He Who Remains knew how everything would go. He knew Sylvie would kill him, so he made a plan for himself to get the TVA handbook, thus recreating the same new cycle for himself, building the TVA, the loom, and dictating time. Remember He Who Remains' conversation in Season 1, Episode 6? Eons ago, before the TVA, a variant of myself lived on Earth in the 31st century. He was a scientist, and he discovered that there were universes stacked on top of his own. At the same time, other versions of us were learning the same thing. Afterwards, they started beefing and then the multiversal war began. Well, whether he who remains ushered the discovery for Victor Timely to replace the 31st century scientist is still uncertain. But after delivering the TVA handbook, it created a branch timeline, and this new timeline would be the one in which He Who Remains discovers worlds on top of one another, thus beginning the multiversal war, and He Who Remains will just do this all over again. He also left out a lot of key details if this branch timeline is supposed to be the origin to He Who Remains. Renslayer sent this specific variant on a path he wasn't meant for. He said the scientists of the 31st century discovered worlds on top of his own as other variants discovered the same thing. In this episode, we see he discovered worlds existed on top of his own, via Renslayer. Where's her credit? The first variant encountered the creature Eliath. This was he who remains. He weaponized Eliath and used him to end the multiversal war alongside Renslayer, according to the recording we heard in the first episode. You made a difference in this war. Thank you for being on my team. For us. For all time. Always. Professor Renslayer. You are quite a marvel. I will be proud to lead with you. How much did He Who Remains cut Renslayer out if this timeline had happened before? In the trailer, we see Renslayer in what I assume is the Pruned Valley. If this is all part of his plan, if Renslayer was one of the first pruned victims and found Eliath, she was also able to alert Victor and weaponize Eliath. She helped him with everything. She's like Miss Minutes. We are witnessing He Who Remains after death, still planning and orchestrating his development. His entire takeover was done by Back to the Future and like we saw Mobius, Obi, and Loki do in the first episode. Then Miss Minutes turns herself into an old-timey black-and-white clock. It's like, 
it's like going Betty Boop in color to black and white. It wasn't like she wasn't old timey before, but this is an early golden age cartoon look. Then we see it. He gets the TVA handbook, which feels like plagiarism if Obi wrote it. So we're back to trying to fix the loom and we can't do anything since Miss Minutes is missing and he who remains temporal aura is nowhere to be found because he's dead. Loki and Mobius search for Ravona because there's a high chance she's with or knows where Miss Minutes is to help fix the loom. They arrived at the Midway Plaisance, which featured the world's Columbian exposition that unveiled the very first Ferris wheel, right there. This was the unveiling of a lot of influential and profound inventions, ideas, and architecture that is truly mimicked in the world exposition of tomorrow that we see in Captain America, the first Avenger that happened in 1943. This was also shown in the trailer. Along with the debut of the Liberty Bell, a little newsy boy mentions Ghost Clock continues to haunt the Midway. Clearly, it's Miss Minutes. We also get some historical moments at the fair. We see a sign from the Daily Chicago Press about the mayor announcing something, maybe the Liberty Bell. The mayor of Chicago during the fair was assassinated two days before the event concluded, so I doubt he really announced anything. We see a close-up of Miss Minutes haunting people in the Daily Chicago Press. Bottom right, we see the World's Fair Hotel, and I think even the name H.H. Holmes is at the bottom. H.H. Holmes built a hotel later deemed Murder Castle. A maze, false doors, and soundproof rooms opened during the World's Columbian Exposition. It was a hotel meant to keep people during the event. He also killed a bunch of people in that hotel during the fair, sending their bodies down chutes to a makeshift morgue in his basement like Sweeney Todd. Most of his stuff is alleged. There's been books proving some stories are false, but he confessed to killing people there, so he probably killed people there. The Chinese village and theater, which existed during the World's Fair, but this one looks more like the one in 1904. Mobius mentions the Ottoman Hippodrome, which featured a ton of work in the Turkish village of the Ottoman Empire, and we get an old-timey circle wipe. Oh, we should, oh, we should do a circle wipe. <gasps> this episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit Jiffy Lube. Then, in the funniest way, we see carved statues of Thor, Odin, and Balder. Balder in Norse mythology is a child of Odin and Frigga and was their best son. Loki being jealous sort of indirectly killed him by piercing Balder's heart with a mistletoe. Balder the Brave in Marvel Comics is just about the same story. We jump to the post-credits scene we get in Quantumania, introducing Victor Timely as a variant of He Who Remains, and he's really serving Frederick Douglass, which is wild as hell for me, because... I don't know. Maybe he's actually Frederick Douglass. I don't know. Frederick Douglass died in like 95, so it probably isn't. But somewhere in that timeline, Frederick Douglass exists and is like, this man stole my look. 
I just think this was a weird, I don't know why they made him look like that. In a very vaudevillian performance speech, and after shading Edison for creating a simple light bulb, he shows off the loom. It's spectacular. Mobius deduces they need to get Timely to the TVA and uses Tempora Aura in replace of He Who Remains. Then Timely meets Ravona and he's clearly smitten, just like the comics, just like we assumed. We learn that Timely is basically a snake oil salesman, a con, a dupe, but he's actually an inventor, but he definitely needed the TVA handbook to get a good start. Then in the worst timing ever, ever again, Sylvie shows up, ready to kill Victor like she swore to do in the last episode. He shows up again. His variants, what are you going to do? Kill him. And Sylvia's back at it, destroying everything. Someone please tell her that she's playing God. I understand her monologue about him being the most dangerous man, but for now, all the timelines are in danger. Someone needs to fix that loom. Kill him later. Like Sylvie says, this is all familiar, exactly to the finale of season one, where Loki's trying to stand between her and he who remains. Then we see the two scenes from the trailer, the green light blasting through the Ferris wheel, shooting Loki straight to the ground, and Miss Minutes turning into the Mecha Miss Minutes, terrorizing the fair like Godzilla. I love it. Victor takes us to his other home he uses for sales, and we get a very sentimental moment between him and Ravona. and now I don't know who to root for. Also, it feels like Miss Minutes is jealous, jumping into the conversation he was having with Ravona. It makes sense because she's been working with him and assisting him for her entire life, so she just wants some recognition, don't we all? We get another romantic encounter between Ravona and Victor on the ship. He tells her his latest important work is the key to understanding and manipulating time. Just sounds very villainous to me. He also shows off his journal with his ideas and we see the prune stick. We also get a look at the loom design we see in the montage credits at the end of the episodes. Victor deduces Ravona delivered him the handbook and he calls it a correspondence between myself and the visionary author Ouroboros. So Obi created the TVA handbook based on Timely's ideas, based on Obi's visions, just like the first episode and this episode where Ravona created his path, time does not flow in a linear fashion in the MCU, especially in Loki, when most of the show takes place outside of time and space. That rhymed. Also, I can't help it, but look at how salty Miss Minutes is. She is so hurt. Oh my God. He shows a design from the throughput multiplier. Great name. He mentions this might help with the loom. Perhaps, and I'm assuming by the name, it takes in the branches and makes it easier to go through the loom. Then Ravona mentions them being great partners and she friend zones Victor. And just like that, she's dumped into the ocean by timely and Miss Minutes. Oh, the audacity, the pettiness, and I'm just shook by it all. We're at Timely's lab. There's a ton of clocks, mannequins, and we see him grab the throughput multiplier. Then the weirdest, wildest, outrageous reveal is served like it's nothing. Miss Minutes is in love with he who remains, his variant or whatever. It's just weird. She also tries to seduce him with her body. She's all face, no body, no pun intended. She's a clock. What in the world? It's so crazy. And I genuinely kind of like it. I kind of love it. Keep the chaos going. Baby girl feels betrayed and she should especially after being sucked back into the temp pad. We get an even better reveal of Ravona with the prototype prune stick. She's rode her ass all the way back to them. And I'd like to add that Ravona is one of my favorite characters. The way she breaks down how much of a mess the TVA has become in the day she's been gone, cleaning up Mobius's messes. I was like, yeah, she did work hard. She's been working hard this entire time. And when you thought that was all the reveals we would get, think again. Here comes Sylvie, ready to kill Victor after knocking everyone's ass to the ground. As the viewers were now given the choice to trust Victor or not. We saw him and Miss Minutes dump Ravona into the ocean. We know he's supposed to be bad. He said he wants to manipulate time. That in the wrong hands can just 
only be bad news. Sylvie decides not to kill him, and I don't know if I trust him. This is Kang 101. He's just deceiving us. They send Victor through the time door to the TVA. Sylvie is left alone with Ravona back again to finish the job. Sylvie kicks her through the time door to the end of time, and we see the dead husk that is he who remains. This place is literally crumbling now that he's dead. And just like that, Ravona and Miss Minutes are working together again. And now, like Miss Minutes said, he's made an enemy out of the two of them. And I want Ravona to be a variant of Miss Minutes so badly. But I love the idea of the two of these people working together. They are way better than he who remains, and I love a team of bad girls. Young bad girls do it well. Bad girls. Oh, yeah. And that's it for Splash Page on the third episode of Loki Season 2. We're left to imagine what could be the big bad secret about Ravona. Is she actually a Kang variant? Has she been working alongside Miss Minutes for eons? Is she Kang's lover abducted from another timeline? Tune in next week to see. Subscribe to The Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ringerverse. And make sure to follow The Ringer on YouTube.com slash The Ringer. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll be back next week for Episode 4, for all time always. She's wearing the same clothes we last saw. Ooh. She's wearing the same clothes we last saw her in and last. Oh my god. It. Let's just scroll to the top of this one. I'm also reading it really quick because my mouth is dry. Do you need water? Nah, I got, I got it. <laughs> I'll do it dry mouth. So we're back to That was me. So we're trying. No, I got it. I got it. It's fine. And then we get an old timey circle wipe. And then we wipe me. That'll be fun. Okay. I've never seen an iPad in my life. Interesting. We're in the matrix. Everything. Everything. Time is endless. It's non-linear. That's gone in the blueprint. Time is non-linear. Time is a, but a construct. You know what else is but a construct? The moon landing. It was a lie. <laughs> it was a lie. Jessica Clemens said it here first. Can we come in and do stuff? Get out. <laughs> Turn around. Unless you give me that jacket. Would you bang this clock? <laughs> and then bang we... this clock. I think that's what we should be doing. Actually. Yeah, man, I love this. Jacket. Well, what about this clock? And just keep showing different clocks. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.